Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, The Reasonable Voice, with some newsworthy updates before The Reasonable Voice is broadcast today. Everyone knows Friday, January 20th, is Inauguration Day for President-elect Donald Trump. But did you know thousands more American citizens will be attending the Women's March in Washington, D.C. on Saturday, January 21st, from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. at Independence Avenue and 3rd Street Southwest. For more updates and information, visit the Women's March on Washington Facebook page. But first, today, Monday, January 16th, is an American federal holiday to honor the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. by celebrating his life, his achievements, and his legacy. Now join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Why are police photographing our license plates? What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The reasonable voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Good afternoon. This is the Reasonable Voices talk radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando. My guest today is an old friend. As a matter of fact, um, I couldn't have started uh, this radio show without him. His name is Bernard Hankins. He's a poet, a teacher, a public speaker. He does all kinds of things, and, and I do want to talk with him primarily today about A3 House at the Albemarle High School in Albemarle County, Virginia. But there are a lot of things to talk to Bernard about, so first let's welcome Bernard. Bernard Hankins, how are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's been a long time. Uh, I, I do yeah. want to. I, w- I want to catch up on a little personal business uh, uh, because um, it's a story I love thinking about, if not sharing. But I'm going to share with you because it's all about you and your mother. I met uh, first of all, Bernard. Are you still doing the Tom Tom Festival? Um, I did a little this year, not as much as I have been in the past, but I was involved over this past year with the Creative Collision. Oh, very okay. good. Well, that's that's. I I met Bernard prior to Tom Tom. As a matter of fact, at the Tom Tom Festival a few years ago now, I first met Bernard as a public speaker, as a uh, the spoken word, and uh, it was a whole different Bernard, and I just loved it. Well, at this same Tom Tom event, I met a woman named Priscilla, and who was delightful. 
wonderful. Um, I learned she was a PhD. She was just visiting, and we took part in one of the Tom Tom Festival and Bernard Hankins exercises to join community. Bernard's all about that. But in any case, when I wrote him after thanking him for inviting me to be there and asking if he knew the woman I had met, uh, and if so, if he could get her a message, it was, she was so fascinating. He said, yes, I know her very well. It's my mother. <laughs> Do you remember all that, Bernard? Yes, yeah. I remember. All right, back to Bernard. But anyway, uh, give her all my best. It was a pleasure meeting her. And uh, okay. I just I just chuckle at myself that uh, of all the people in the room that most impressed me turned out to be your mother. But that's not surprising. Okay, right. to, to Bernard, poet, teacher, public speaker. First, Bernard, there's something you're doing. At, it's called TEDx Charlottesville. Can you tell us a little about that? Uh, yeah, so TEDx Charlottesville, um, for those who don't know, is part of the TED uh, national brand. Mm-hmm. You do a TEDx event, basically a regionally organized event by people who just really want to do a similar thing in their own city. So mm-hmm. I was, uh, last year I won the open mic competition which got me a spot on the TEDx stage, and then they actually asked me to be the closed speaker, you know, which is an honor. Oh, yes, wow. So I, so I did a lot of talking about, well, my talk was about how, you know, integrating people of colors, as I say, mm-hmm. imaginative people back into the thinking process of education is what actually creates empathy because it is only through imagination can you actually have empathy. If you look up the word empathy, and the dictionary it actually said the imaginative projection. Mm. So without imagination, it's impossible to put yourself in someone else's shoes. Ah, uh-huh, okay. Yes, I'm with you. And and how did that go? I mean, I've heard about it, but you, you tell us. Tell the audience how that went well. Oh, it was great. Oh, it was great. I mean, you know, TEDx is you know, a great event. So speakers all day long talking about everything from, you know, meta, medicine, health, uh, just it's just basically their their tagline is ideas worth spreading. So you get you know four to eighteen minutes, depending on your talk, to get on stage and convince the audience of this new idea that they should go out and spread. So it was a great day of uh, talks. The theme was what if. Mm. So everybody's theme was around what if, based upon whatever their talk was. Um, and yeah, it was, it's always great to go to TEDx and just you know get new ideas, meet new people is out there change people's thinking yes uh, how often does tedx happen and does one have to apply or, or they sort of have an open door policy and and invite people to be involved how, how does it work speakers are usually invited by the organizers themselves mm-hmm. but the open the open mic competition that the event puts on allows everybody in Charlottesville to submit a talk and then come compete for a chance to be on the stage wow well, that must be, I mean, I think that's exactly what this country needs now, is a, is an open discussion and exploration of new ideas and new ways of thinking. So I know you've always contributed to that. I think it's quite timely. I hope it will continue for you and, and for TEDx. I want to reiterate the title. It's Integrating People of Colors. Did you put a plural on it? Okay. If you search Charlottesville TEDx on YouTube, or if you type in Bernard Hankins 
at my website, BernardHankins.com. I have the talk is up there as well. Gotcha. And that's uh, last name is H-A-N-K-I-N-S, uh, BernardHankins.com. Very good. And, I, and I'm not delaying. I'm just sort of laying the groundwork here. I certainly want to know about the new things that you're doing at Albemarle uh, County High School. But what is Cypher Ideas? So Cypher Ideas is a company that uh, my friend Daniel Garner and I started a few years ago. And it's based upon a lot of the principles of just what we talked about, how ideas are leading the way to the future. Mm-hmm. Thinking differently and creativity as a way to think about everything. Um, so basically we have uh, this process where we take hip-hop spoken wordplay to develop brand names. So imagine a board, mo- a board meeting brainstorming session with rhythm and rhyme is the idea behind that. It's kind of a ideas firm. Excellent. Creativity, ideas, creative ideas, spoken word, teacher, poet, TEDx, you've been busy. <laughs> I, you know, and, and now that you mention hip-hop, I mean, I know you, you do hip-hop, but I I think that's how we first met. Were you a guest on my other radio show? Yes. And and we actually well, did some of your music? Or you tell me. Well, actually, the first time we met was The Adrenaline Project. Oh. Yeah, with you as... <laughs> Uh, monster in the yeah. movie called Midnight Snack. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yes, you had to mention that. Oh, yes, but I had forgotten. Yes, I uh, when I first arrived in Charlottesville, Virginia, from New York, I was asked, somebody, someone I had met, I don't know, said, uh, uh, you probably remember her name or, and or her position, but she suggested, you know, a good way to get involved in Charlottesville area in the creative arts was to do this adrenaline program. And I didn't know, I mean, I know what a, a adrenaline is, but I had no idea what she was talking about. And it was, what was it, making a film, students making a film within a very short period of time and then having MFA uh, students come in and give notes and then they do it different or better or whatever and somehow that she connected you and I and then I you cast me as the monster and and I and I you know it was it was not that I hadn't done film and television I had but this was a this was really fast like soap operas as fast as soap operas it's pretty fast but but I took it because I was going to wear a mask and no one was going to know who I was just just in case I didn't, you know, didn't measure up or whatever. And then at the big awards thing, you or someone insisted I stand up and identify myself. But, okay, enough, right. enough of me. So that's when we first met, yes. And it has been a relationship that continues even as we work independently of one another. Right. Uh, I want, I don't want to put you on the spot, so I'm going to ask now, and if it gives you time to think about it, um, if... Um, because I, again, I was so impressed with the spoken word that you performed at that Tom Tom Festival. If you have anything like that, you can do off the cuff, maybe to get us out of the second, to take us out of the show at the end of the second segment. I really would appreciate okay. it, but no pressure. Okay. All right. Thank you. Okay, here's, here's, here's a short one called Cremation Creation. Okay. People are afraid to think outside of the box. Because they think if they do, they may have to lay 
outside in a box, homeless in hunger, longing no longer for surprises or cereal prizes, find and salad with a box, only concerned with the fact, like the nutrition one on the side of the box, putting dreams, imagination, and play on delay, forgetting that one day they will lay, cremated into a sugary powdered substance, dead inside of a box. Wow, Bernard. And that's great. You guys, everyone's listening. If you can get to Charlottesville, Virginia, and you and there's an opportunity to hear uh, Bernard live in the spoken word, um, I find it always impressive. I just, I, I'd known him. I knew him as a radio guest. I knew him through hip-hop. I even knew him helping me with learn things about the Internet. And, of course, as I said, technically, he helped me start this very uh, show, the Reasonable Voices radio show. Um, Bernard is a man of many talents and wears many hats, always giving of himself and always a success and moving, I think, inspiring. But okay, let's talk. We're going to we're going to have to go to break pretty soon, but we'll we'll continue on the other side in this next segment. But tell us what is a as an apple a three house at the Albemarle County High School. What is that? Treehouse stands for Albemarle Alternative Arts, oh. and it is basically a music studio slash makerspace, which is located right next to the library, and it was really uh, pioneered, I guess, part by a friend of mine who's a teacher here named Chance Dickerson, so he has been building it for a couple years, and it has digital, movie, uh, digital music making equipment where students can come and create music of their own personal projects mm. or for their school projects or teachers if they want students to do, say, narration and music or history project or whatever. It's basically a resource for teachers and students to create things. Um, mm. And it, uh, it's also now become more uh, geared towards audio production, so there's actually four audio productions classes that take place in the school but also use the studio so i'm kind of co-working with chance dickerson he teaches the audio production and then students come over to the studio and i can help them with technical creative support to get their project done wow and you certainly know about that that's you know i like that when people who uh oh i don't want this to sound like i'm i'm i don't like teachers i love teachers they're the best there are but i like also when people have practical experience uh, ongoing right. come into the educational system and uh, share that that prax- that practical experience this is what I do and and now I'm going to I'm going to share it with you beyond the textbook uh, this is it I like I like that very much so you are how long have you been doing this well funny like this is a new venture for me I've been self-employed for 10 years and this is the first you know, regular kind of day-to-day job that mm-hmm. I've had in 10 years. So I've only been working there since August. Oh, wow. This is, yeah, this is my, it doesn't feel like it. It feels very much like home because, you know, once you get into a place like this, kids get to like you, you get to yeah. like them. So it's less it's of a teacher-student, more of like a creative-creative relationship. But yeah, it's only been since August. Well, uh, I, well, I have to say your reputation precedes you because I heard about this and the way it sounded when and when people were telling me about it, I thought you'd been there longer too. I went, oh, wow. <laughs> but you've obviously accomplished a lot and are sending out a lot of uh, 
good vibes and um, an excellent uh, word of mouth. As and as you say, when you get to work, I know I I haven't been in the classroom too often in my career. Um, I mean, I taught uh, acting in in New York and on camera, but that wasn't like a public school situation. But when I have taught in the public school, I've experienced what you're talking about. When the students really get that you have something to offer and they re- they really commit to that then, it becomes a joint venture. And, right. and I guess that's what you're experiencing. What, what the A3 House Music Studio, how does that fit? Is, uh, because there's more to it than that, I know. But how does that fit, that piece fit with the A3 House? And, and you say it's alternative? It's that- Albemarle Alternative Art. Got you. And you also mentioned, I know I'm asking a lot of questions, but it's like I'm going wow over here, Bernard. You said it was next to the library. Right. Tell us which library that is. Near the school on 29 or? Oh, no. That, no, this is actually in... Albemarle High School. Oh, okay. So when I say next to the library, it's near the library or media center. Gotcha. Uh, for the for the students. I got gotcha. you. And it's also next to the video production studio, so it's part of the sort of like media and uh, technology. I think it's officially under the technology branch of the school. That is fantastic. That really is. Okay. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to hear more about the various components of Bernard Hankins' new position at Albemarle High School, creative arts, the audio, video. Bernard is a real entrepreneur, and if he's teaching students how to be entrepreneurs, I want to hear more about it. So stay with us, and we hope we'll have some more spoken word at the end of this upcoming segment. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Now, another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. Indie film distribution today doesn't leave a ton of room for experimentation, but once in a while, a film comes along that is so strange yet so grippingly interesting, you can't help but keep watching just to see what happens. Andrew Bachowski's Computer Chess is one of those rare films. Set in 1980 and shot on old-fashioned black-and-white video to recreate what amateur footage from the era would look like, the film follows an ensemble of characters at a computer chess tournament. The film's weaving storylines involve a young nerd's questioning of his mentors and subsequent sexual awakening, a hotshot programmer's fall from grace, a chess grandmaster running the tournament who seems perpetually surprised to see a female programmer at the proceedings, and rumors about the tournament and the brilliant minds who designed the chess software being watched by the Pentagon, trying to glean candidates for their next project. It's hard to pin down what makes computer chess so fascinating. It is humorous, hypnotic, and unconventional, an example of the kind of film never found in the multiplex, but with luck in your pocket, a gem uncovered at a film fest, or through the indie film minute that leaves your film horizons expanded. Computer chess, not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Find us on the web at IndieFilmMinute.com. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices talk radio show. My guest today is Bernard Hankins. He's a poet, a teacher, a public speaker, and he's, he's worked on a lot of things which we discussed in the last segment. 
uh, like TEDx, which really I found very impressive. Uh, Integrating People of Color was the title of his show. Is BernardHankins.com. That's H-A-N-K-I-N-S. And also Cypher Ideas, a very creative, uh, technical, creative arts combo that he does with our mutual friend, Daniel Garner. But now more about what Bernard Hankins is doing at the Albemarle High School in Albemarle County, Virginia. So let's take it apart a bit. Um, I know there's several components. What is the music studio, uh, Arts and Education? What What is that, Bernard, at Albemarle? So, uh, so my friend Chance, who I co-work with, we're big believers in the idea of arts being an important part of learning. One, because it makes it interesting. Yes. Two, because it gives you new ways to understand information. Yes. But I think also we, both of us, really like to extend the art into a more philosophical uh, branch. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're really of the idea that the loss of the humanities, as we like to call it, is, is the loss of humanity. You know, mm-hmm. If you don't teach people how to think humanly, humanely then yes. how can we be better human beings? So just like you have to study math to be a good mathematician. You have to study what it means to be a human, to yes. be a good human. Yes. So we really think that expressing yourself through some kind of craft, through some sort of vehicle, is a framing, a structural way to give you a real tangible way to think about who you are as an individual. Mm. And how do the high school students respond to that? Well, I think part of it is it's not so overt. We, we don't always say, hey, who do you think you are? But ah. it's more about providing them with vehicles or roles. I'm not going to give away the secret, but we're going to sure. start something. The, ne- the next semester, a big project with the kids where they get a chance to take on roles of their own within a sort of simulation context. Uh-huh. And I think when you give somebody a role to play within a context, they start to think about, well, what, is, what does it mean to be this role? And so that gives them a sort of blueprint to start to think about identity on a more, you know, intangible level. Like, who am I as a person? Mm. Maybe I'm a record producer, but what is really a record producer? Yeah. That's not all, you know, all that I am, but at least it gives me a starting point to start to think about how do I sort of see myself in the world? You know, I, I hear what you're saying, Bernard, I greatly appreciate it, and I think uh, marrying that idea, because I don't know that I've heard this from anyone before, but that just like you teach math to be a better mathematician, we should be teaching and learning how to be better human beings. I'm going to throw out some things. You tell me how they fit, if you like. Uh, this is character development. This is morality. This is... Uh, a man's inhumanity to man reversal. How do those kinds of things, if they do at all, fit into what you are teaching using the creative arts? All right. So I think one, for instance, one you know sort of challenge we're having now is a lot of the students who write lyrics often write degrading lyrics about women. Oh. So we kind of have to deal with. Okay, well, we know you see that on TV. We know you hear that on the radio. Have you really thought about why you're saying it? You know, are you writing that because that's a genuine expression of your viewpoint? Or are you simply mimicking what you think it means to be a man or a rapper? So it's very much a challenge. We haven't figured out all the pieces, but we're dealing daily with our own questions as teachers to say, okay, 
what do we need to put in place in terms of a question or a challenge or some kind of project mm-hmm. that gets them to at least think about these things. And we also realize it's not going to be an overnight thing. Exactly. Like this is a 20, 20 year thing. I'm expecting some kids to come back 20 years later and be like, oh, Mr. Hankins, thanks for, you know, challenging me in that area because I needed that. And now <laughs> I got it. Yeah. <laughs> And a part of identity is the ongoing process. Yes. You're not going to know who you are tomorrow. You're going to have to constantly work. So, yeah, all those things you mentioned, morality, humanity, I think that those things are important because if you have a person who doesn't even see another person as a human, mm. you know, what, what does it really matter how well they do in math or science if they can't treat someone else, if they can't even work with the person and see them as equal? Mm-hmm. So this could, it sounds like to me, correct me if I'm wrong, this could, this could not only be a racial or gender uh, a thing, but this is also about people with disabilities, uh, people who just uh, speak differently with an accent, or uh, you're teaching really how to, to see people as people, as human beings, fellow human beings. I mean, we come out of a, well, I don't know that we've come out of it, but we... We know that uh, uh, there is a torture mentality in part of our uh, political leadership and government leadership. And, and of course, women have been discriminated against. People of color have been discriminated against throughout the history of this country. So you really are, uh, I should ask you rather than tell you, do you feel you really are trying to turn you know, you see like in the old cowboy movies when the, the cows stampede and they have to race out on their horses and get in front of the stampede. And then with these charging uh, volume of power charging at them, turn them, make them make a U-turn. Is that, I don't know why I came up with that analogy, but is that, do you ever feel anything like that? Is that, is that kind of what it's like? Or, or, or if I'm off base, just let me know. I definitely think we, you know, me and Mr. Dickerson, we definitely feel our first initial emotion is like, oh, man, I have to change this person. And then we also kind of realize, like, man, that's a kind of a big undertaking. So what I think we really have to do is learn to be creative, even in how we deal with people, mm. and sort of ride the, ride the wave. Instead uh-huh. of trying to turn the tide, we ride the wave. Uh-huh. So, for instance, you know, when a kid says something or shows up a video, we don't say, turn that off or... That's wrong. We mm-hmm. say, oh, why do you like that video? Yeah. What, what, is it, what is it about that that appeals to you? So we, we try to identify with where they are to validate what they believe they are rather than shut them down and say, well, that's wrong. You shouldn't think that way because they're not going to listen to someone who doesn't accept what they find valuable. We yes. find value with them, what they're doing and then try to point out, like, hey, maybe you could adjust this. Like I had a conversation with a student last week he had this very heartfelt uh lyric that he wrote about this girl like you know she's going to be mine but then you know during the chorus part of the song he started referring her to his b word and i said you know i really connected with the the verse like it was very heartfelt but why did you refer to her as that during the chorus it just doesn't fit so he at least thought about it i mean i don't know if he's going to change it but he said yeah i see what you're saying but i think just things like that putting in mind hey, have you ever thought about this? Yeah. Have you considered it? It's not necessarily about changing their mind. It's putting the seeds in there for someone else who later might say something that will then eventually, you know, turn the tide. Gotcha. 
I see. And, and, and again, as you say, it's sort of guiding, uh, or as you say, planting that seed to just be open to another way of seeing something. And we can't do that by, as you've said, we can't do that by imposing our ideas on them, but by simply exposing them to ideas, the, the art of thinking. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I'm getting exactly. it. I mean, as you know, as an actor, I mean, when you get on stage for an hour and a half as an actor, if you were to constantly present a point of view and a sort of beating the, you know, beating them over the head with a message, they would just leave the theater like, okay, that was, yeah, that was exhausting. Yeah. But if you present <laughs> a, a character that said, hey, look at me, you've never seen me before, mm. sort of a suggestion you know that leaves people a little more open to like, oh, okay, I'll take a part of what that person said and consider that picture. Yes. Okay. All right. And then let's let's move on if we are moving on. Uh, it's kind of an overlap, and that's fine. Again, we're talking about A3 House at Albemarle High School with Bernard Hankins. Uh, do you do a word of the week? What, what does that involve? So word of the week is actually an extension of something I do on my Facebook page, and my, you know, my website at bernardhankins.com. It's a newly created word that I come up with, kind of uh, gluing together existing words or coming up with a brand new word. So for instance, today's word, which I write on the outside door of that studio, was response-aneity. Ah. And... So, yeah, I think, you know, helping people understand language and the words that we use is also another, you know, key into what we're talking about, how people think. We often use words without really considering the underlying meaning, but if you see a new word or word broken apart, you start to realize, like, oh, that's why we use that word. Mm. And and words have power, as we, and I know you know that, but there, there are people, people in uh, high places, shall we say, who don't seem to understand the power of the word, and and exactly. especially when words become labels, do you get exactly. into do you get into that kind of thing with the students? Like I said, I'm new, and I don't know. If, I think students are still getting used to me and who I am. So I haven't gotten a whole lot of response from the word of the week yet. So uh -huh. I'm still trying to figure out how to really make that a part of everything overall. But I think it just. You know, those, like you were just saying about labels. You know, I I think for instance the word minority. Yes. You know, I hate that using that word. Is, <sighs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I've never liked that word because to me, minor minority, the first part is the word minor, mm. which means less less. Yes. So just the fact trying to key clue people into these things or these passive uses of words that you use without thinking about what you're saying about someone or to someone. I couldn't agree with you more, and I'm, I am i don't want to take all of the time we have left talking about it because I do want to ask you a couple of other things, but as a writer, as a writer, I'm often stuck with the word minority, and I try to use it in different ways so that it is not always about people of color, uh, but, but, when it, but when you say minorities, I... What do you say? What do you use? Obviously, if this is a word that is as troubling to you, if not more so, as it is to me, how do you get around using it? What do you say? Um, well, I think I just don't say it, honestly. Ah. <laughs> I think uh, the word, yeah, 
I guess I haven't really, when I'm talking about it, I will usually refer to the idea that people are often called minorities, and then I will comment on the idea that we not we should not use that word because it doesn't make sense to refer to people that. So that's probably how I get around it now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Well, you know, let this be an ongoing conversation for us from time to time, right. uh, because it, it is troubling to me. And I just wrote an right. article, published it online at opednews.com this morning, and it has the word minorities in it. And even though I sort of tilt it the way I want it to go, it still bothers me. So I, I right. uh, let's let's revisit this even off radio sometime. But back to you, okay. and, and not that we've left you, but uh, Rhythm and Design, Entrepreneurship in Education. Now that sounds like, this is what kind of in your in my introduction of you, I, um, I, I believe in the entrepreneur, and I believe when the earlier we can reach children, especially that high school age, I think they're just just leaving childhood and becoming okay some concept of reality in what they can be and and that potential so it's a perfect time a perfect age it seems to me to teach them hey like you and I for many years you don't have to work for someone to make a contribution tell us about that how is that how is rhyme and design working for you at Albemarle High School a year ago, uh, part of a kind of an offspring of Cypher, um, and Matthew Flatt, who used to work at the bridge, he really was a big supporter, and oh, yes. to a pilot, uh, so it was a one-week creative workshop for a high school and middle student to use their creative talents for economic empowerment, so mm-hmm. basically what it is, is students come in for a week and they simulate coming up with their own company. They give it a name, mm. they give it a, t- a tagline, and then we bring in actual entrepreneurs which, for which they do the same thing. They brand and tagline the entrepreneurs. So we work with the CIC, a couple of gra- a graduates from the CIC, uh, Pronta Anderson, she was a hairstylist, and another woman, Paige Hill West, who has like a cultural storytelling company. But then I did it again over the summer with computers for kids, EBCC Kids College, and I'm bringing that over to Albemarle. I have some grant money for family work. So oh, wow. It's a way that we taking the word and the wordplay to show people who are already very talented as wordplay lyricists say, mm-hmm. you could probably invent Facebook or Snapchat or Twitter or Instagram. Yes. These words didn't exist before. Someone had to come up with them. Why not you? You're right. already doing it you know, yourself, and you're probably coming up with a lot more and a lot better ones than boring people sitting in an office. So why not put the the power into your hand and show you that you have this power already? Uh You can use your talent to make money. You've been told that maybe you're wasting your time with this, but we say, no, Mm. you are good at something. Yes. We're not going to tell you to stop. We're just going to say expand your vision of your talent and your ability. Yes. Wonderful, Bernard. Yes, wow, exactly. And to hear that, you know, I I had, I don't want to make this sound so terrible, but in high school, I had only one teacher that I remember 
being the way you are describing what you and your teacher faculty partner over there are doing at Albemarle High School. And she was my high school music teacher. And she would speak the same way that you do. You don't, you know, you know, she told me, I mean, she launched my career quite literally by believing in me and telling me things I thought I couldn't do, I could do. And why did I think I couldn't do them? And that was the question I couldn't answer. Anyway, but so there you are. What's your title over there? They give you a title? <laughs> Just curious. Yeah. My official title is Studio Support Specialist. I so love I'm in it. between a teaching assistant and a teacher, somewhere like an in-between marriage of those two. I love that. I love that. So it's perfect. I don't, I don't have to have a curriculum. I don't have to get grades. I kind of just need to make up my own schedule and curriculum and flow free. So it's perfect for me because that's what I love. It sounds, you know, I was going to say that's the best of all worlds. You get to be creative without having to sit down and grade people. You can inspire people. My least favorite thing as a teacher is that after we do all this wonderful inspirational work and you know mutual creativity, then I have to sit down and put a letter to it, a grade. Right. I, mm, I never enjoyed that. Um, but you don't have to do that. So we've been talking to Bernard Hankins, poet, teacher, and public speaker. You got to catch his TEDx. And uh, and the spoken word, we want to try and get him to do another for us as we go out. But we've been talking about the A3 house at Albemarle High School in Albemarle County, Virginia. We've talked about the music studio, the word of the week, which is brand new, but he's working on it. And rhyme and design, developing entrepreneurs the right way. So, Bernard, in addition to taking us out uh, with the spoken word, is there anything else you want to leave us with before you go? Uh, sure, yeah. If anybody out there has any uh, old music gear or free equipment or really cheap equipment they want to donate to uh, Albemarle High School Music Studio, we'd love to take it because kids are always asking for guitars and strings. And we just, if you have old stuff you're not using anymore, we'd love to take it to play with it. Excellent. I'm glad I asked that question because I didn't think about asking that. And I'm glad you came up with that as a response. Okay, so we're... And it's tax, and it's tax deductible. Exactly. And how would they make that donation? Do they call someone? Do they go to a website? Uh, yeah, you can visit um, the Albemarle High School website, or if they want to email me, my email is B as in Bernard Hankin 2 at k12albemarle.org. I know that's a lot. Or if you go to my Bernard Hankins website, you can contact me there. Very good. Okay. As hoped for uh, and sort of promised, uh, Bernard, can you take us out on the spoken word? All right. I'm just going to have to make this up. Okay. I teach at a studio because studios make students studious so we influence the we are the leaders of the generation of creativity and innovation, not just minimalist thinking, but broad thinking and spectrum, not just taking music as electives, but electing to select them as the core, philosophically, philosophical as the core, so that we can not just learn to think, but to love each other as human beings and adore with a more. So there is so much deep in store that human beings are asking for. Wow. Thank you, Bernard Hankins. 
uh, for all you do, for all you've helped me do, and for all you're doing now with high school students to uh, help them see their potential and take those first all-important steps toward what they want to ultimately be. Life is a constant evolution. Thank you so much, Bernard Hankins, poet, teacher, uh, public speaker. Appreciate you being on the show. All the best to you. Bye now. My pleasure. Bye now. Stay with us as we'll be right back with a final comment from The Reasonable Voice. Now, another film rental discovery. Hey, film lovers, the highly rated Indies at Vinegar Hill film series is back this month with the heartwarming Jordanian movie Captain Abu Rayed from director Amin Matalka. Join us on January 26th at 7 p.m. for a special screening, followed by a lively Q&A with the director. Advanced tickets are now on sale at IndieFilmMinute.com. And don't forget, sign up for our email newsletter so you can stay up to date on future screenings. And now... Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. We came across butter in a local film festival. We were very lucky as its one week in theaters certainly didn't gain it much attention. Jennifer Garner stars as Laura, an ambitious Iowan with an I'm-better-than-you core, naked political ambition, and, shall we say, a metrosexual husband? One can't help but appreciate the politically satiric wink toward those who remember Michelle Bachman. The plot is overly simple. Laura's husband is a legendary butter carver, winning the state fair competition so many times in a row, it's time to step aside. This development horrifies Laura, who sees his celebrity as central to her ambitions. So she will step in, win the competition, and rise to new heights. Of course, this won't be so easy, given the emergence of a child prodigy butter carver and the entry of Brooke, played by Olivia Wilde, a scene-stealing hooker owed money by Laura's husband. The value here is in the pervasive offbeat humor. Often close, but never mean-spirited, this tongue-in-cheek tale is smart. Maybe too unusual for the mainstream and lacking the depth of those serious indies, this butter is slathered on thick and it's darn good. Butter. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Find us on the web at IndieFilmMinute.com. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Obama out. What's next? Just running for president of the divided states of corporate America, Barack Hussein Obama proved you can take their money and still give them Frank Underwood cufflinks. Whether Alzheimer's, the bomb, or climate change, now is the time to hold accountable the they in our mirrors, because we are they. And it's about as funny as it felt like I was crossing the border, laughing at the suffering of less affluent people of any color, mocking women, or ignoring the assaulted distinguishes between the good, bad, and ugly Americans. Convinced to make war on our own best interests, we vote for the warmongering they to continue reaping the fruits of our labor. And it didn't start with Guantanamo waterboarding and won't end with Nestle privatizing our water. 
No need for Googling Eden's garden for cruise temptations or Cain and Abel family feuds, for we need look back in anger no further than West Point's All-American class of 1861 to find inhumane abuse for cotton profits pitting brother against brother. And still, purchase-powered sweatshops remain the support of Bernie's top 1% of the top 1%, for the they can't survive without the us of USA. Whether agriculture denim, uniformed government, or Wall Street suits, men have historically suppressed women, enslaved conquered cultures, even murdered to appease their hunger for the thrill of power. Like red-scared sheep, the 1950s hung on every word of Joe Stalin, then hung American careers out to dry, believing in Joe McCarthy. Like Eisenhower's Operation Wetback, it don't mean a thing if it ain't got that Joe swing. So, is America again being trumped by opportunistic fake patriots from coked university administrators and governors de-educating our future into grand old malice aforethought, aided and abetted by the reality of we shall overcome, profaning the United States of America of we shall overcome? Repeating the backlash to 12 years of FDR, the GOP is now financed by those who want to impose a Republican red book on an all-inclusive America. Surrogates for corporatism, Congress now sacrifices the Supreme Court in resistance to any potential of a melting pot at the end of our American rainbow. The more the we allow the they of corporate-owned media to brainwash us against the brown, the black, and the woman card, the more the too-big-to-jail enslave the middle class to too-big-to-fail. We will never secure world peace, nor find freedom from they, until we stop camouflaging the power of our vote with the pageantry of the street's deceit. Not all men are created equally evil, but traditionally most who connive for evildoers are angry conservative old white men who think something they never had, nor were ever guaranteed, has been taken from them. For example, America's wars on crime, communism, and drugs, financed by a corporate government alliance, were waged against baby boomers to ostracize people who looked like MLK and thought like RFK. Real enemies of the state prosper from our ignorance of history. Before Koch brothers, Dulles brothers. Before Nixon's Watergate, Kent State. Before Cheney's Guantanamo, J. Edgar Hoover's FBI. Before Bundy's Oregon Siege, NRA's Sandy Hook. Before fossil fuel fracking, cow flatulence. Before heroin and cocaine, tobacco, alcohol, and opioid painkillers. Before voter ID, Jim Crow. Now, in 2016, we live in the age of abrupt climate change when the sins of the silent generation are the consequences occupying millennials. What follows Obama can either be boorish disunity, or shall we gather at the river of global preservation, embracing each other in a climate action that withdraws from corporatism's bottom line? Our best potential stand-up is saving the earth from the climate of the street.
Obama out. Join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard around the world. Thank you. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.